go, yes, we roll. Say 360 degrees. High, high, 360 degrees. High, high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. High, Good evening, and welcome to Full Circle. This is your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by apprentices of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program here at KPFA. As KPFA begins to wind up the spring fund drive, the apprenticeship program is again seeking your support. The KPFA Apprenticeship Program and our on-the-air show that you're listening to right now, Full Circle. We are KPFA's training ground. That's what Full Circle is in the Apprenticeship Program for your future community producers, hosts, and engineers. We are encouraged and grateful for your continued support and the support of this program and this great radio station, KPFA. Right. And we have two premiums to offer for your support. The first is She's Beautiful When She's Angry. It's a film that the website describes as it resurrects the beauty, the buried history of the outrageous, often brilliant women who founded the modern women's movement from 1966 to 1971, who will also have the Women's Herstory Speech Pack, which documents the emergence and evolution of the women's movement in the United States. Right. Yes. All of that tonight on Full Circle. So, we're your host. I'm Ron Thompson. And I'm Aquila Lewis. Please stay tuned. Greetings and thanks so much for tuning in to Full Circle here on KPFA. It's so great to be back. Tonight, we feature excerpts from the documentary film, She's Beautiful When She's Angry. Let me tell you a little bit about this documentary. She's Beautiful takes from the founding of NOW, which is National Organization of Women, with ladies in hats and gloves, to the emergence of more radical factions of women's liberation, from intellectuals like Kate Millett to the streets theatrics of which women's international conspiracy from hell artful combining dramatizations performance and archival imagery the film recounts the stories of women who fought for their own equality and in the process created a worldwide revolution yeah we definitely need to get into this let's get into the clip right now so you guys can hear more about she's beautiful when she's angry retire from women's issues you still have to pay attention because somebody's 
gonna try to yank the rug out from under you. And that's what's happening now. Don't mess the Texas women. It's really hard for people to understand now what it was like before the feminist movement. The wedding was the big thing, the marriage was success. You couldn't have career aspirations. You couldn't decide not to have a child. The most beautiful woman was never satisfied with how she looked. You could look like Miss America and you still thought something was wrong with how you looked. Let's not even talk about birth control and abortion. The horror, you know, the fear of pregnancy loomed over anything one did. If you were raped, people wouldn't believe you. If you were battered, no one would believe you. It was feminists who brought up these issues and put them on the table. We had a sense of momentum. You know, that was the sense of momentum that came from the 60s. It was like all this energy had been pent up in these women for all these years, and it just exploded. this evening is a dialogue on women's liberation. Mr. Mailer. Let's really get hip about this little matter and recognize that the whole question of women's liberation is the deepest question that faces us, and we're going to go right into the center of it. Let me introduce first Ms. Jacqueline Ceballos, president of the New York chapter of NOW, the National Organization for Women. Ms. Ceballos. that large middle-class group of women who could have all the comforts and conveniences of life. In fact, I did, but I opted out. Instead, I decided to devote my time to fight for equality of women. I just had these feelings, something's wrong, something's wrong. Then a friend handed me the feminine mystique. Betty Friedan's book, I mean, cried even today, it just hit me. It was where it was. Absolutely, absolutely. I read it that night, and, uh, and I just knew it wasn't him, it wasn't me, it was society. Well, the feminine mystique, it defines woman solely in terms of her sexual relation to man, as a uh, uh, man's sex object, as wife, mother, homemaker, and never in human terms as an individual person, as a human being herself. When Betty Friedan published The Feminine Mystique, everyone was buzzing about women and their talents being neglected. Every time we'd been uh, told, I'm sorry, we don't hire women, we thought, you know, isn't it too bad? There isn't an organization that can fight against that. In 1966, when they were founding now, Betty Friedan asked me if I would do the public relations. And I said, sure. 
We knew we were making history. We had no doubt that this was a historic occasion. We knew the world needed a civil rights organization for women's rights. That's one reason it exploded so really quickly and powerfully was because it was long overdue. liberation movement in a way that he had not before. As soon as now existed and I heard about it, I was in now. I became president of the Chicago chapter of now. And against the women of this nation, and we intend to react. Some of the earliest letters that we got was, where are you? I can't find you. You know, there was no internet. There was mimeograph and stamps. That's what we had. Um, these were people's membership coming in. Here's a woman, and this is so typical of the women joining now at the time, recruited by myself with a big exclamation point. Let's see. I've collected buttons all my life, so this was one of my favorites. Uppity Women Unite. We certainly did, didn't we? Most important motivation for all of us in founding now was jobs, employment discrimination. We all know that women are underpaid and overworked and there is no chance for advancement anywhere. We in now teach women how to fight discrimination against their own companies, how to sue their companies. The want ads were help wanted male, help wanted female, and all the good jobs, the career jobs for the males. In fact, there was one ad that said, just got your BA, want a, a job to be secretary of a good-looking uh, executive, you might end up as his wife. I swear to you. I remember we had picketers outside the New York Times and the man would have a sandwich board said, I got my job through the New York Times. And the woman's sandwich board said, I didn't. Good morning and thank you very, very much. I remember going on television shows when I was the chapter president. And people would seriously ask you whether you thought women should get equal pay. Well, do you think women should get equal pay? I mean, people would say that. You had to say, this wasn't just handed down from Moses, this was discrimination. What is the point of your march? Hundreds of women want peace. They want peace now. I became aware of what was called the younger branch of the movement. Now I was 30. But anyway, they identified themselves as women's liberation, and this was people coming out of the anti-war movement and college movement and civil rights movement. In the Southern Civil Rights Movement, the most important role that anybody could play was the role of an organizer. You know, you met with people and you helped them find the courage to stand up, that it was their voice and their desires for change that gave a movement its power. I work in Alabama, going door to door, canvassing, getting people to go register to vote. All the women I encountered who were working in the civil rights movement was an impressive bunch of women. 
What I saw was a different image of what it meant to be a woman, a different model. And we do realize with every step forward and with every effort in safety and prayer that we will overcome. Although I didn't fully realize it at the time, I was in fact getting the groundwork for being a feminist and to feel that you can have the power in a group to do something that you think needs to be done that you could never do on your own. I think it's what I was looking for my whole life. All these other social change movements that were going on at that time led to the women's movement. They gave rise to women's consciousness of a need to operate on an equal basis. Part of the civil rights movement, I was a big part of the anti-war movement while I was a graduate student at Berkeley. And women in the New Left started talking about what we were feeling. The women were very much discriminated against. The guys, their names went on things. They became the spokespeople. We were used to lick the envelopes. We did the grunt work. We did the real work, actually. We often did the real work of organizing. I had been at an SDS meeting and was talking, and I was a leader in the organization. And one of the guys in the group said, ah, shut up, sit down and shut up, to me. And we started talking about our role as women within SDS. Why weren't we in the leadership positions? From that, it just kind of sparked in everybody a, a sense of recognition. I go, aha, this is like a shared thing. It's just not me feeling insecure. So at the anti-war demonstration to protest the election of Nixon, we decided we would come together as women for the first time and announce we had a movement. And Marilyn Webb gets up on the stage in front of this huge audience of new left men, and she starts trying to talk. Well, the moment I started, there was this, this crowd went crazy. And the men start whistling and catcalling and saying things like, take her off the stage and f her. And people were yelling, f her down a dark alley. It was just, it was insane. And we were like all looking at each other like, what? I didn't expect movement men to behave like that. And I was shocked. People were organizing blacks, and people were organizing welfare mothers, and then we were organizing women, and that everybody would see this as another leg of the whole movement. But we weren't respected. The black liberation movement had come into its fore, and you're talking about liberation and freedom half the night on the racial side, and then all of a sudden men are going to turn around and start talking about putting you in your place. If you don't want any trouble... That was the contradiction in terms that we were no longer prepared to put up with. So 1968, we founded the SNCC Black Women's Liberation Committee to take up some of these issues. We shall overcome, we shall overcome, we shall overcome someday.
honoring you. You carried me on your back, wrapped in cloth, walking for miles and miles just to make enough to fill our bellies with food to survive. See me smile, thriving, living, barely living, you carried me. I felt your blood seep into my skin. As we embraced, hiding the worry lines and shame, you stood in line. Standing behind your brothers and sisters, filed in line, singing choruses all in one accord, we shall overcome someday. Rough, callous hands holding me up, holding on to dreams unfulfilled, but with one hope that is birthed within me. Spring forth in me. You shall have your day. That was wonderful. That was just completely wonderful. <laughs> That's another thing that you get listening here to Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley. Now, that was a live read from a poem called Honoring You, written by my co-host and graduate apprentice, Ms. Aquila Lewis. You also heard excerpts from She's Beautiful When She's Angry, which is a 92-minute film that combines never-before-seen archival footage, a classical soundtrack of the era. That era brings back so many things to mind when I listen to this. Mm -hmm. That has first-person stories of the protest, the poetry slams, and the committee, uh, the community meetings right. that engineered a very meaningful social change. Mm -hmm. And I just want to interject that uh, what was happening at that time was kind of, at its best, the actualization of our First Amendment right. Right. To come together peaceably or not mm -hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> protest to get it off your chest to speak truth to power right. about what's going on, to right. demand some changes, at least demand them. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're going to get them. But that time led so many of the social changes. Now, that film embraces such topics like health care, voting rights, and equal pay. Mm -hmm. And think about it. In 2015, female full-time workers made only 79 cents for every dollar Wow. Earned by men. Mm -hmm. It's called a ginger wage gap of 21%. The film also addresses the grassroots movements that proclaim the personal is political and the woman or women who dared to get furious about it. Mm -hmm. The feminist movement and many of the movements that shape the country that we live in. It's beautiful. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. So just so people can kind of know a little bit about the film, um, there's an organizer from the film, Linda Burn Bur Burnham. She states, we started Black Sisters United, and it was basically a consciousness raising group. We were struggling to understand what was different about our per perspective on women's place in the world and for what we were hearing from the mainstream women's movement. And we couldn't have that conversation in spaces that were majority white women. And she, Burnham, has published numerous articles in African-American Afri and African-American politics, feminist theory. And she says, uh, let's see, in, 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 2000 and tw in 2008, she was awarded the Twink Frey Socialist Activist Fellowship of the University of Michigan. 
So, yeah. And then um, I know, Ron, that we're in the last part of that clip. It ended with SNCC and the Black Liberation Movement. And I definitely wasn't around during that time. You might have some insight about that era. Well, yes. Uh, it was pretty, pretty warm. I happened to be in L.A. during the riot there. And I went home to Detroit and <laughs> stepped right into the middle of a riot there. But people were organizing. Mm -hmm. That was grassroots people, people who had not planned to do that. Who That was not their agenda. That was not their course of study. It was shaped and fashioned by what was going on at the time. Mm. And that was the beautiful things. I have a lot of thoughts about that that I won't get into right now. But the, fir <laughs> the first episodes <laughs> ended mm. with uh, it in SNCC and the Black Liberation Movement, right. and which gave rise. It 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 forged what women were talking about and gave them the courage to go ahead and speak out because we have to remember that this was. The same people that we were fighting against, mm -hmm. the women found themselves fighting against in their own household because oh. these were the wives of the husbands mm -hmm. that we were fighting because we needed that change. We needed the, 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 the system to understand that, hey, we're people too with rights and right. feelings. Right. And that's what the women were saying. And I also heard you, you never... Um, you're never allowed to retire from the feminist issues because it happens throughout all of history until today. And so definitely. So for listeners who would like to learn more about this film, uh, we have opportunities for you to get this. Yes. You can get the film. She's beautiful when she's angry for a donation of $150. And, and you, I don't know if for those who really like to hear about break, breaking down the, the, the dollar amount, you can break it up into payments over a year and it comes to $12.50, $12.50 a month. That's very, 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 very very, very good to do. We want to make it easy on Yes, you. we do. We want to make it easy for folks who, you know, $150 is a little bit too much to, to handle. And definitely make sure you give us a call at 510-848-4425. Or to learn more. Or you can call as well, 1-800-439-5732. Right. And you want, <clears throat> excuse me, I want you to remember also that the first thing that you should think about doing and the easiest thing is to become a member. Mm. It only costs you $25 and you can really be involved in what's happening on the board. You can be involved more in your radio station, KPFA. But we do want you to take special consideration of this offer of the Women's History Speech Pack. Mm -hmm. The Americans, women's, or American women making history and culture mm -hmm. from 1963 to 1982. Now, the 2013, the project documents the emergence and evolution of the women's movement in the United States, as well as the unique role Pacifica Radio played in providing a place for women to create an air programming that communicated their movement. Mm. This is an MP3 compact disc running 10 hours and 22 minutes. That's 10 hours of speeches, including Rita Mae Brown from July 4th, 1976. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Say her name. I th- believe that's An- Anais Nin. Anais, thank you. <laughs> and she interviewed uh, was interviewed by Judy Chicago on February first, nineteen seventy two. And Yoko, my good friend, I love her. Yoko Ono. September eleventh, nineteen seventy one. Also, the daring I'll run for president, Miss Shirley Chisholm, Chisholm in nineteen seventy two, mm-hmm. and many, many more. Right. And you can get the speech pack for a donation of ninety dollars. So please. Think about that and go in your pocket. We'll take seven dollars a month. Wow, that's that's it. Break it down. It's easy. <laughs> that's all seven dollars a month for the American women making history and culture. And remember, it's twelve dollars and fifty cents a month uh, for "She's Beautiful When She's Angry." And that DVD is let's see, um, an hour and twenty three minutes, I believe, um, of amazing. Um, just phenomenalness <laughs> that, that a lot of the women in the feminist movement, womenist movement all over are just like saying, here we are, we shall not be moved, we shall overcome. Definitely make sure you guys learn more about this. You know, Aquila, there are other stations about the Bay that are in their fun drive as well. They're mm-hmm. raising money, they're doing things, and they're giving away nice little gifts. But the gifts that we give away are information. They're food for thought. They are the truth that you mix in with your everyday living and thinking. They are the why you feel the way that you feel. Mm -hmm. And they are the beacon that leads you to what it is you have to do in today's world. Right, right. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about who you might hear in this film. There's a woman named Denise Oliver. She's been a political activist, community organizer. She was in the civil rights movement, women's movement, the AIDS activism movement, and so many other movements. And she says, I was in the Young Lords. And one of the points in the original program was revolutionary machismo. Machismo is reactionary. So you can't have revolutionary machismo. We women weren't having it. So we made a very different kind of statement. We want equality for women down with machismo and male chauvinism. Mm, it brings chills up and down my spine. <laughs> well, don't go all the way down. <laughs> don't take all the male chauvinism away. We have to give you something. <laughs> but yes, I do understand because what we were talking about is the the energy that mm-hmm. came from the oppressor at the time mm-hmm. and that was some serious, ugly machismo and male chauvinists. Right, right. So now we'll get back to the film and in this next episode we'll hear how the fight for reproductive rights and education takes center stage. Some of the women we'll hear from now are in the movement of groups like WITCH, which is, as you know, the Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell, <laughs> or the first national ogle in that was in 1970, when women turned the tables on street harassments by catcalling male brokers on Wall Street. We want to give you that number right before we go into the clip. Make sure you call 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-HEY-KPFA, or donate online at www.kpfa.org. You can hear more about this film that we're about to go into this clip. She's beautiful when she's angry, and definitely, let's go to that. Like, we don't even realize what goes on until we sit and compare with other women. And we hurt each other. We hurt each other into speech. 
you could sense it, you could feel it, you could, you could cut it with a knife, as they say. It was, the room was electric with whatever was gonna be shared. So I said, I've had three abortions, and the last one was within the last year. And I started to cry because I suddenly understood that I wasn't alone, that what I had considered personal embarrassment was something that was part of this whole larger experience. The big insight of the women's movement was the personal is political. Problems that you felt were happening to you alone probably were your fault. But if it's happening to other people, then it's a social problem and not just a personal problem. Once you stop blaming yourself for all of this, it was like somebody had lifted a rock off of you. And then here were women all around you who were ready to go out there and do something about it. In Washington, D.C., we were like, have demonstration, we'll travel. We demonstrate in the halls of Congress, we demonstrate outside of Congress. There was a group called Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell, which it was the action arm. People had kind of folding witch hats and capes in their bag. And we thought if we could dress up like witches and then give a hex to people, we wanted to challenge a white men's canon at the University of Chicago. And so part of the hex went, knowledge is power through which you control our mind, our spirit, our bodies, our soul. Hex! Yeah! What you see here is the beginning of a movement that women are human beings and that we have equal rights. We intend to go to school. We intend to have childcare so that we can go to school. We want the university to provide us with classes that teaches us about our history. Now, I was in the history department, and I knew zip, nada, zero about women's history. And we realized we didn't know very much about women's literature or women's art. In fact, we realized that we had gotten degrees and we knew nothing about women. Well, a group of us decided to call the press. We took our advanced degrees, some were PhDs, some were master's degrees, and we burned them in public. a very hard thing to do because we were very proud of those degrees. I felt so duped, like I had been fooled my whole life. This America seemed like the perfect place to demonstrate the way women were just judged as sex objects, just judged by their looks. There were no such standards for men. We also recognized how racist those beauty standards were. We weren't going to have any of it. It was, all women are beautiful. That was one of our slogans. All women are beautiful. We had a freedom trash can. Guys were burning their draft cards. We would burn our bras and other instruments of female torture. Even though I was in now, I was always with the radicals. If they're going to demonstrate for Miss America, I'm going to be there. Women use your brains, not your bodies. 
It was a blast, what can I say? It was very exciting. It was something now wouldn't do. They did things that were outrageous. And some of us thought that these would be made fun of, and they were. But they attracted media attention. Of course, they got results. But the best part came when, right at the moment when they were about to crown Miss America, the women who had snuck up into the balcony unfurled this huge banner over the edge of the balcony that said women's liberation. And the world got to see those words for the first time on a national scale. It was a great success. How do you feel about women's liberation? Woman's place is more at home than to advance herself too much. I know the girls in my office are the way I do. We're all right today, y'all. There's nothing wrong with this. Totally against it. I feel I don't know what they're being liberated from. Many women protested that they liked cooking and housework and catering to men. But I would argue with some woman who was being extremely defensive about the movement and then six months later would run into her at a demonstration. The status quo is being challenged by the women's liberation movement. Today, it's still a man's world. I started getting word from people I knew in the movement by then. And as I heard about these things, I was able to go out and shoot them. They startled Wall Street one day by an exhibition in which roles were reversed. Oh, they're so beautiful, all of them. Ah, oh, those men, those sex objects. It was reported in the newspaper that there was a woman who worked in the Wall Street area. She was very well endowed and men would wait for her outside the Wall Street train station. And they would pinch her, make sucking noises at her. And I thought, this is pretty disgusting. Oh, wow. Look at the legs on that one. So I organized what I rather grandly called the first national ogolin. Those pants, they just bring out your best. Hey, how do you like that hat over there? Oh, what a chapeau. All the very clever events helped the women's movement a lot. Keep your best leg forward, sweetie. Now, it isn't my taste to do the kind of demonstrations and things that some of them did. But I was always sort of gleeful about it underneath, and I thought, you know, go for it. On Wall Street. Oh, I'm so turned on. We're trying to point out what it feels like to be whistled at, put down constantly sexually every time we walk down the street. And we don't want to be sexual objects anymore. Is love out? Is sex out? Unless men change, it's going to be very soon. Unlike now, we didn't want a piece of the pie. We wanted to change the pie. We were talking about changing the whole paradigm of the way men and women interact. What about marriage? Marriage is uh, unpaid labor. I mean, uh, it's a free household slave for each man. It will take a major social revolution for women to be truly liberated. We began to reinterpret the whole world, and it seemed that male supremacy of male chauvinism was everywhere. And it was. What's your general feeling about uh, the National Organization of Women's Complaints? 
become a member of the press club, you have to be 21 years of age and be a male. Leave or police action will be taken. We will make an arrest. Now, please leave. I have no intentions of taking the sign down or changing the sign. If you can get a court order to take it down, fine. You have no intention of no. changing your policy of no. segregated facilities. Is that correct, sir? There's a sign out there now. Come on, let's go. Do you discriminate by sex? Come on, let's get out of here. Come on, good. He has repeatedly used uh, his law classroom to espouse that women do not make good attorneys, that they're too emotional, they're vindictive. We were angry. Maybe the anger is what carried us through and made us fearless. In Washington, D.C., we had a very, very active women's liberation movement. I think we met every single day for something or other. We had this organizational structure with all the different groups, and we didn't want it to be hierarchical, so we decided on the name Magic Quilt. In Washington, populated by working-class women, they were getting a fraction of the salaries they felt they should be getting. They weren't able to support their children. So we talked to government workers, clerical workers, and people talked to nurses. And all of these women responded so incredibly. It was like, yeah, yeah. Pretty soon, there were these meetings going on in New York where there weren't just half a dozen women, but there were 50, 60, 80, even 100 of them. On one side of the block, there would be a red stockings meeting. On the other side of the block, there would be a witch meeting. There were conferences. People drove all night, all day to get to these conferences. I got up to Sandy Spring, and here were this bunch of women talking about how we would overthrow male supremacy with this movement. So we went back to Gainesville right away and started a women's liberation group. Somebody else would write a position paper in another city, they would send it, we would read it. Every time there was a meeting, we'd see all these pamphlets that just raced across the country. Why do women not get paid properly? Why do women not have childcare? They were consciousness raising too. All of these writings were very precious to all of us because they were the vanguard. If I were a boy Even just for a day I'd roll out of bed in the morning And throw on what I wanted and go <laughs> You've just tuned into, or maybe you already were tuned into 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, also K248BR 97.5 in Santa Cruz, and around the world, anytime online all the time at kpfa.org and you are listening to Full Circle and that was another excerpt from the documentary film She's Beautiful When She's Angry 
And a song, I just want to make sure people know, the song you're listening to right now is Beyonce's If I Were a Boy. Just definitely wanted to play that one. So in the clip that you heard, um, we ta- they, the organizers were talking about which the Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell. And Oogle in... In 1970, when women turned the tables of the street harassment by a catcalling, male brokers on Wall Street. I thought that was really interesting And by watching when we were watching the film earlier. Okay, Ron, let's do something a little different. Let's play devil's advocate. I'm really curious. Have you ever been catcalled before as a male? I definitely want to hear your words on this. I was loving every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have been. And, and uh... I, uh, I'll, I'll, you can do it today, you can do it tomorrow, you can do it. <laughs> no, um, actually, uh, it, it, I don't, I don't do it, but you know, I'm not a woman, so it didn't feel mm-hmm. that bad to say, hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh, I like those buns, or you know, they say different things, but no, I understand how uncomfortable. It makes women. I understand how when you're just going along and you're in your thought, you're in your world, you're thinking about what you're going to do. And, uh, you know, you have guys leaning over. Hey, you know, I I understand that can be unsettling. There's nothing attractive about that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing uh, coof about that. And actually, uh, I know also that Women are just saying, not women, men are saying to women, some men, that that's a, that's a pretty flower, you know. Hey, girl, I like what I see, all that kind of stuff. But it is not a good feeling, and it's not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that men are less Neanderthal today than they were back then. Well, I don't know if I, I, hope. I don't necessarily <laughs> know if I agree with you, particularly on that last part. I, I was agreeing with you earlier. Uh, you don't <laughs> think they're the the well, Neanderthals? Well, today. no, because the reason why is because there's a lot of women um, or people in general, general who are survivors of sexual violence, domestic violence, and rape. And so when you are catcalled like that, mm. you know, it definitely would bring up a lot of um, trauma and, yes. and pain. And I agree. I'm talking about this because I'm a um, student and just getting ready to finish my finals. With a politics of sexual violence um, at City College of San Francisco and I've learned so much about um, the history um, of of this pain that a lot of the women in the in the film, um, she's beautiful when she's angry. Is talking about you know they're they're talking about their rights. They they didn't have their rights. They were erased. They were um, not even recognized. Now, and so I, I, I you didn't misunderstand what I I wasn't oh, giving no, credence to that. I wasn't saying that that was good. I was just saying that <laughs> you know it didn't feel so bad coming from you know. Right. But men are needy. They <laughs> they want to be recognized. But you you make a, a definite point. Mm-hmm. in terms of you don't know. That's what I was saying. You don't know what frame of mind a, a, a woman is in when she's being, when she's walking down the street and she's being assaulted mentally by right. all of that stuff. Right, so right. I agree. You're, you're right. It's not a good thing. Right, right. And also in the film, um, organizers, uh, we actually got a chance to see it earlier. They unfolded the banner revealing for the first time the words women's liberation at the Miss America pageant. And it's, it definitely was um it prompted, 
you know the world to to view this. It was it was on national television that they that they showed this. Yes. And so um, I know I've have been a part of a beauty pageant, and I definitely know what it's like in that arena. Mm-hmm. Um, they've said that all women are beautiful, you know, and that was their that was their platform. That we're all beautiful. We we are, should be appreciated and appreciated. And um, that's what I'm saying. I know you are. I definitely know what you were saying, but I just wanted to also let you know that there have the history. There's so mm-hmm. many that have been traumatized, and and you know we definitely want to make sure that people um, get a chance to see this film because this this DVD is just so great. It's called She's Beautiful When She's Angry. It's 150 dollars, and you can learn more about this and get this at one eight hundred four three nine four five seven three two. 1-800-HEY-KPFA or donate online at www.kpfa.org. Again, you get information here. You get food for thought, a whole plate of it. You get a buffet (laughs) of food for thought from KPFA. So please call Mm 1-800-439-5732. And I'd also like to thank someone uh, I think may have uh, become a member, Miss Barbara Blake. Here in Berkeley, thank you for your donation. Congratulations for being for your membership, and we mm-hmm. also have Evelyn. I hope I'm saying this right, Fuji, Fujimoto, for your hundred dollar pledge uh, earlier. Thank you very much for your pledge, and for folks who want to join these lovely listeners who have given to um, the Premiership Program and KPFA, please. Call 1-800-439-5732 or 1-800-HEY-KPFA. You can also don- donate online, five, uh, not 510, <laughs> www.kpfa.org. Yes, yes. And uh, we, we want to talk about some of the reactions that people are getting for this film. Before we do that, Aquila, let me also say thank you very much to the people who are manning the phones in the other room. Thank you. That's very important. And we would like to also thank the Fun Drive Food dona- Donors, mm-hmm. High Wire Coffee Roasters. Pacific Cookie Company. And Stella Nona Restaurant. Thank you. We definitely need to thank them. All <laughs> that good food. And thank you for your energy, people in there. Mm-hmm. Now, to help you understand what people are saying about the film, below are some reactions. Upcoming are some reactions. What's one of the things they're saying, Aquila? So, one of the year's best, it is one of the year's best films, an urgent, illuminating drive into the headwaters of second wave feminism. That's from Village Voice. Mm-hmm. And then it's a visionary, heroic, and heroic, The New Yorker. It's inspiring and an important film. This is from Seattle Times. Mm-hmm. And they've also won awards. Um, they have been the winner of the the Mardi Gras Film Festival in 2015. That's the newest one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Audience Award Best Documentary. They are the winners of... The Fairhope Film Festival, Best Documentary, Women's Film Critics mm-hmm. Circle Awards, Best Documentary. So, wow. Yes, I mean, words like illuminating and inspiring mm-hmm. and important film. Right. The, the Women's Film Critic uh, Circle Awards, Best Documentary nominees, just wonderful. Again, mm-hmm. check it out. Give us a call. Go in your pocket for us. Help mm-hmm. us keep the lights on and, and help this program stay on the air. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And you can get this film. She's Beautiful When She's Angry for a donation of 150 mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then, uh, as Aquila stated earlier, that breaks down to just twelve dollars and fifty cents a month. Right. That's a that's a meal. Yes. That's a meal because it <laughs> makes it easy. Please. Help yes, us. it does. Another thing that I think is really cool that they're saying about this film. This is a film that you should take. To, if you make sure that you take with your daughters and your sons, mm-hmm. and that's what the Boston Globe is saying. Make sure that your daughters and your sons, that you can, you know, this, this is something that all the generations need to know. Yes, this is history. Yes, you know, this is history about all the different movements, the rights of of human beings. Yes, and so definitely, we want to make sure people know about that. All right, well, let's get back to the film. Um, the, the clip we have our third clip. She's beautiful when she's angry. It continues to address the controversy within the movements and many strands of feminism. I don't know if people know what feminism means, but and from the film, I heard that they said it's a social, economic, political equality. That's what they're fighting for of the, of the sexes. Mm-hmm. And it's um, this is an oppressed group that was they definitely fighting for the human rights. And it, it within the movements, many strands of feminism, the issues of women of color, struggles with class, the fight for lesbian visibility. That was the forerunner of today's LGBT movement. All right, so you will hear many movements like these. So, let's hear them. There may be some here today that will be homosexual in the future. There are a lot of kids here. There may be some girls that will turn lesbian. We don't know. They can be anywhere. They can be judges, lawyers. We ought to know we've arrested all of them. I told no one I went to college with that I was a lesbian. I never told anyone. When I got to Barnard, one of the first stories I heard was that there were two women in the dorm room who were making out, and a guy at Columbia with binoculars saw them, and they were expelled. The message of that story was certainly that one could not be an open lesbian at Barnard. What the 60s were like for many of us, we grew up in silence and isolation and shame. And that's why consciousness raising was so appealing because so much of our lives we could not speak of. The women's movement had coined the motto, the personal is political. But when you were a lesbian and you want to talk about lesbian relationships as opposed to heterosexual relationships, uh, they didn't want to hear about it. And here I have to give a lot of credit to Rita Mae Brown. One thing you were not going to tell Rita was to shut up. I knew that I was as good as they were, and I knew I am not who I sleep with. I was in now. And as now went on, I called him on the carpet about class, I called him on the carpet about race, and then I called him on the carpet about lesbianism. And I said, you are treating women the way men treat you, and those women are lesbians. Well, my God, you would have thought I unleashed an elephant in the middle of the room. There were a lot of women who were gay, but they didn't talk about being gay. They used to say that the now meetings was the best cruising place in town. So Betty Friedan was freaking out. You know, she was saying, you can't bring this up now. This is divisive. This is what men call us anyway. You know, any woman that stands up for herself is called a dyke. And she said, this is like the lavender menace. We can't have it. The fact that we were beginning to be recognized and treated decently was something. And all of a sudden, the gay issue. Betty was really, really concerned that he was going to destroy it. But Betty wasn't the only one concerned. A lot of us were concerned. I was concerned, too. 
It's too soon. That's what we thought. Too soon. They couldn't bustle me out of that organization fast enough. I was thrown out. I thought, you know, we really need to talk about what is happening to, to lesbians. Why are we reviled by what should be our own people? So it was a group of lesbians from Red Stockings and lesbians from uh, the Gay Liberation Front who started meeting together. And out of that, we decided to write a lesbian feminist position paper, which was the first of its kind. We each tried to write a piece of this thing. And we put it all together, and it became the woman-identified woman. In essence, give your energies to other women. I don't even know who came up with such a wonderful opening line. A lesbian is the rage of all women condensed to the point of explosion. Towards May 1970, there was the Second Congress to Unite Women, but there was not going to be a single panel that dealt with homophobia or lesbianism. And we decided we were going to do an action. We had been labeled the Lavender Menace. So on the day of the Congress, we came in looking like we were part of the crowd. And we had a buddy back behind the curtains who knew how to run the lights, and so the lights went out. <gasps> and when the lights went out, like Superman, we removed our blouses and exposed our Lavender Menace t-shirts. The audience was completely surrounded by lesbians. I was a plant in the audience, and I pulled off my blouse, and I had a Lavender Menace t-shirt underneath. I said, I'm tired of being in the closet in this movement. Well, nobody knew, excuse the Southern expression, they didn't know whether to run or go blind. They did not know what to do. And finally, we took over the stage, and we demanded that issues of lesbianism be put on the agenda, and they were. It really did awaken people. It was like, oh, you know, you're kind of right. It was a lot of fun. Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA. Tonight we have been featuring excerpts from the film She's Beautiful When She's Angry. And we just heard how many, like so many movements, there have been divisions inside and the movements themselves, and women's liberation, the feminist movements were no exception. Often these divisions led to the creation of new organizations such as the Radical Lesbians, and we're so excited that these organizations are finally here to the forefront, and they're on the agenda. So give us, give us a call tonight, please, and get this very important documentary film and educate yourself, your family, and your friends. The American Woman's Project is a two-year preservation and access project funded by a matching grant from the National Historical Publications and Records Commission mm-hmm. at the NARR. Again, that National Archives, and this project documents the emergence and the evolution of the women's movement in the United States, as well as the unique role Pacifica Radio played by providing a place for, uh, for women to create and air programming that communicated their movement. Mm-hmm. So please, give us a call and 
Give us some of your hard-earned money. Not just, not a lot, but give us some <laughs> of your hard. You can give us a lot if you want. Yeah, we like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't want to discourage you, but again, uh, I want to thank the people who just donated. We mm-hmm. just got another $150. Thank you very much. And continue to give, uh, you know, anonymously mm-hmm. as you want, mm-hmm. you know, any amount you want. Please give us a call at 1-800. That's Hey, KPFA, that means that it's 1-800-439-5732. What's that number? It is 1-800. You can just caught me off guard. 439-5732 or Hey, KPFA. <laughs> and you can donate online anytime at www.kpfa.org. This is for the DVD. She's beautiful when she's angry. And it's that's $150. And also the CD, American Women Making History and Culture. And that's $490. And if you want the combo, which everybody should get, a DVD, an MP3, and a CD, that would be for $200. Yes. So give us a call or go online to get more information. And you can also choose to get that Woman's History Speech Pack for mm-hmm. a donation of $90. And that's just $7.50 a month. Mm-hmm. And this is the American Women's Making History and Culture. This MP3 compact disc has 10 hours of speeches, including Rita Mae Brown and Miss Nen, interviewed by Judy Chicago. So do the right thing. Here, Yoko Ono from 1971 and Shirley Chisholm, the project that emerges, that deals with the emergence and the evolution of the women's movement in the United States. Right, right. That's 1-800-439-5732, KPFA. Pacifica Radio has all this for you. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was amazing. Time moves so quickly. It really does. Thank you guys so much for listening to us, and that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Big, big, big thank you to everyone who are there in the front rooms answering yes. your calls. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling us. Yes. Tune in next week to Full Circle at 7 p.m. right here in KPFA. So, and a special thanks again to our production and technical interns from Group 41 and also from the Group 40, Mr. J.C. Howard in there. (laughs) We'd also like to thank Free William Franklin Sterling. Our technical director is Ms. M. M and Joy Moore is our production consultants. We've been your host. I'm Ron Thompson. And I'm Aquila Lewis. Great to be back. Thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle and stay tuned for La Onda Baita. Good night.